here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So I'm going to ask you once more, um, and I've asked it since the beginning of the year, who are you discipling? And by whom are you being discipled? I mean, that's judge. Whom are you discipling? And by whom are you being discipled? And I think that's such an important question. Not a condemning question, but uh, that's just what church is. Hebrews 11, verse 39, we're looking at um, what is God's dream for the world. And God's dream for the world is a body of believers making disciples. Disciples making disciples. So what is a disciple? Jesus said, go and make disciples. Okay, amen, we know that. But what does it mean? So what? I like to ask the so what question. So what? Jesus died on a cross, so what? Not disrespectful, but you need to know those answers. Um, And why did he die on the cross? He died on the cross so that he could pour out the Holy Spirit. So that something else could happen. We are are believers, so what? Why? To go to heaven one day? No. That's part, that's the side benefit. Uh, It's not fire insurance, by the way. Um, it is a liberty, it's a freedom, it's a life with God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in you, living through you. So Hebrews 11.39, we've been looking at it now for three weeks, I think, says, all these people, all these, these heroes of faith, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. Verse 40 says, for God had something better in mind. So that's basically the slogan uh, for this series, is God had something better in mind. And you need to know what that is, because that's what God wants for us. It says, so that they would not reach perfection without us. You can read Hebrews 12, and it speaks about the fulfilling of that perfection. We're not going to do that this morning. But what did God have in mind? What was this something better? Better than Abraham had, better than Moses had, better than David had. And I want to I like venture out and say, obviously, that's why Jesus came. Because it says in Hebrews 12, now that something happened, now perfection has come. Now what is it that happened? It's Jesus. So John 10.10, we know it very well. It says the thief, not only comes to, uh, the thief comes not to accept to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Oh, I want to teach on John 10 from the beginning and go through. The thief is not the devil, by the way. Go check it out. It's something completely different. It says, but I have come. Who's that speaking? Jesus. So, in Hebrews 11, we says God has something better in mind. There's a better promise. There's perfection on the way. But now Jesus says, this is the reason why I came. I mean, that's a pretty cool statement. I have come, where to? To earth. I have manifested as a man to do something. It says that they might have life. Very importantly, the Greek word is zoe. Very popular amongst kids, dogs, and all other names these days. With good reason. It's Zoe. It's Zoe life. It is the God kind of life. And that they may have it more abundantly. Interesting, the Amplified says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. Okay, Christians, we need to smile some more. Remember I shared on joy that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Christianity is not about what you eat and drink. Okay, we had some good food and drink last night, but it's not about that. Didn't make the wedding special. What made it special was the covenant. What made it special was the believers. What made it special was the witnesses. What made it special was the fact that the gospel was preached. 
The thief comes not to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it. I like that translation. Because we sometimes get discouraged or disillusioned maybe where we're having, according to John 10, we've got life and we've got abundance. And that's not what it is. And then what we, we try and find a middle way and we say, okay, but we've got the life of God, which is abundance. Because by nature, God is abundant. I mean, just think about it. We are living on this little speck called earth, and there's a universe, no one knows how big it is, and apparently it's still growing. So God is abundance. I mean, God is biki urbodach. Like, really. God, that's overstating. But that's who we are. That's where we are. So now we're looking at God is giving what? Zoe. He's giving His kind of life through Christ so that we may have it, so that we may enjoy it. And what have we in abundance? We have the life of God in abundance, according to the Amplified. It says then in brackets, to the full, till it overflows. And the title of my message this morning is, and I'm going to give the whole thing away now, says the Spirit is the overflowing life. Zoe is the God kind of life. And how does Jesus give it? He gives it through the Spirit, but He has to go through the cross first. So I'm not making light of the cross. I'm just saying the cross had a purpose, and the purpose was the outpouring of the Spirit. Yes, the forgiveness of sins, the carrying away of the curse, all of that is true. It's included there. But there's more. It's the Spirit of God dwelling in a man. It says, again, I'm going to read it once more. I came that you may have and enjoy life, and have it, what? Life, zoe, in abundance, to the full, to, till it overflows. For me, that, that really makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because we have a prophecy in John 7. John 7.37 says, On the final and climatic day of the feast, Jesus took his stand. He cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out, I'm reading from the messenger, out of the depths of anyone who believes in me this way, just as the scripture has said. So there's a prophecy about an overflowing, rivers of living water. That's where we get that concept. But then it says, he said this in regard to the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were about to receive. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. I love it when John, or the writers of the Bible, interprets for us in brackets what just happened. And this is one of the few places where you, you have it, like... This is what Jesus said, this is what it meant. It's almost like a parable. This is the parable, this is the explanation of the parable. So, while man is feasting, there's still thirst. Like, people get thirsty again. But Jesus says, come to me, and you'll never thirst again. You'll never ever thirst again. Why? Because Jesus comes to satisfy those who seek God. The Lord can quench the spiritual thirst of men. By giving him what? His living water. The Afrikaans, I'm going to read this for you, says, Dit sal nie gewone water wees nie, maar water wat de mens vir ewig sal laat leef. How beautiful. It's not plain water, it's not normal water, this is living water. And we know that word, living water, but this living water is the water which makes you live forever. And then it says, this he spoke of the Spirit. So the Spirit is the water that comes. The Passion Translation says, Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit 
that believers were being prepared to receive, but the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out. I love that, the word there. Poured out. It's a drink offering. Poured out upon them. I love the word upon as well. We'll speak about it some more. Because Jesus had not yet been unveiled in His full splendor. He had to go through the cross. He had to die. He had to be raised. He had to be ascended. That is the full glory. And only then could the Holy Spirit be poured out. And that we get right there from John 7. So, I'm saying that the Spirit is the overflowing Zoe life of God. And I'm saying it from John 10. I'm saying it from John 7. But now I want to show you from Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So you cannot have non-spiritual Christianity. Some people think there's spiritual Christianity and there's other Christianity. This verse clearly says that if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, and that's not the attitude... It is the Spirit. It is the third part of who you are, the Spirit of Christ. Then you do not belong to Him. And if you don't belong to Him, then you're not a Christian. So how do you become a Christian? You receive the Spirit of God. Yes, you receive forgiveness with that too. It says in verse 10, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but very important, the Spirit is life. It doesn't say the Spirit brings life. It doesn't say the Spirit will manifest life because we use this verse for healing because it says the Spirit now gives life to your mortal body. But before it goes into that in verse 11, verse 10 is very important and it says the Spirit is what? Life. Guess what the word is for life? Zoe. Jesus came to give Zoe. What is Zoe? Where do we get it? According to Romans 8 and verse 10 says the Spirit is Zoe. So you cannot have Zoe, you cannot have the eternal life. Remember John 7, the water that gives life, the water that gives eternal life. You cannot have eternal life without Zoe, because Zoe is eternal life, that's God's kind of life. And you cannot have it without the Spirit, because the Spirit is that very life. I don't know about you, but that, that, that blesses me. That simplifies things again. I've been on a mission to simplify things. I hope you you, you notice. (laughs) I want to simplify Christianity because the word says, and when Paul prays in Colossians and Philippians, he says, you have been fruitful since the day you heard the message. But we have a mindset where we need to go to ministry school and we need to go to Bible school and we need to do a year of internship and we need to do seven years in in, in seminary and, and then maybe one day we can share the gospel. Then maybe one day we can bear some fruit. No. (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny, yesterday a guy looks at me and says, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Everyone who's old was, was young, some, somewhere along the line. Okay. Paul says, luckily to Timothy, don't let them bother about your age, because it's not about your age, it's about who you got inside of you. Maturity is not about how gray you are, maturity is how much in the spirit you live. Growing in spirituality is maturity. What are kids? Kids are immature because they're just in the flesh. They're hungry, they cry. They're awake, everyone needs to be awake. They, they're unhappy, everyone needs to know about it. And as we mature, we get to put others first, which is love. We get to, to hold back the tears because it's not about us. We realize that. We're growing as church as we're becoming more mature, as we're becoming more spiritual. 
But really, the, the message for this morning, if you take one thing away, this is it. Zoe life is the Holy Spirit. Jesus came for one reason, and that was to bring Zoe life. But He didn't just bring enough for you. He wanted to bring it abundantly until you're full and then until it overflows. And that's the beauty of discipleship. That's the beauty of Christianity. You receive and receive and receive and receive. Not really. I know that's how we speak. You receive. And now you realize what you got. And as you realize what you got, you're stirring up the gift. You're fanning into flame. You're stirring up what Paul says. He doesn't say get more. He says stir up what you've got. And as you stir it up, it, it, it fills you. And you start to realize, but there's more to the spiritual life than the normal life. And there's more to what we've got than that, what the world is looking for. And as we live that, then all of a sudden there's a, just this one drop that overflows. And you're reaching out to someone and you're sharing a gospel message or you're pre- praying for someone or, or people asking you why, are you, why are you hopeful? Why are you not worried? I think my neighbor is so, so irritated with me because every time there's bad news, I just, okay. COVID, the world's going to end, no, third world war, I don't think so, but why? Because there's hope, there's Christ, there's more, there's more purpose to what we have. But the Spirit is life, why? Because of righteousness. So don't put that away. The Spirit now is life, why? Because Christ has become our righteousness. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin, did no sin, became sin, so that we could do what? Again, there's the so what. Why did Jesus become sin? So what? No, not so what. So that. So that we could be what? The righteousness of God. You see, believers, it's not about getting more righteous. It is about waking up to the righteousness which we have. Because you cannot get any more righteous than God. Because then you have to be God. And you have to be a higher God than the God we serve, the one and only. So, we are now the righteousness of God. Why? Because of the cross, because of the Jesus uh, suffering and sacrifice. But because of that righteousness, now we have the life which is the Spirit, which will last forever. So when you pray for someone who is sick, think about what you're doing. You've got inside of you The power of God, the Spirit of God, the life of God, who is never ever going to die. And now you encounter a temporary obstacle. It's not an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. It's not that at all. It is a pothole in the kingdom. You are full of God. You are full of His Spirit, full of His power. You have and carried the very life which is the Spirit of God, Zoe, the God kind of life. You don't just have a little tiny bit of it. You have it fully. You have it abundantly. You have it until it overflows. When people get into contact with you, they need to get wet with the Spirit. They cannot help but, like I said the other day, when we worship, like, don't worry if the guy next to you goes crazy. That's fine. You'll get a little wet, but that's fine. When you want to play next to the pool, like, don't cry when you get wet. There's a few drops. Just jump in and enjoy the fun with us. Come on. So when you pray for someone with symptoms, you have the force, the life of God, the Spirit of God in you. And then verse 11 says, then obviously it's going to give life to even your mortal body. That's not just speaking about the temporary, it's also speaking about the eternal. 
But let's read it from the message. It says, but if God himself, listen to this, if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. So how do we have God? In what form does He live inside of us? The Spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit. You won't know Him and won't know what we're talking about, but you who welcome Him, in whom He dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. Wow! Why are we different? Because we're experiencing life on God's terms, not on the world's terms. Romans 12 and 2 says, Do not conform your idealistic ideas to the cultures of the day. Do not think like the world thinks. Renew your mind to Christian uh, philosophy, if you will, to, to the mind of Christ, which is, the Spirit of God lives in me. Watch out, world. Here I am. Yeah, but what about this? And what about this lack and this war and this thing? Well, I don't live on those terms. Like the word Kunrat brought was amazing. I live according to eternal purpose, uh, eternal calling. I live according to what God has done. And I've been thinking about it this week. What would I do if war were to break out and we were called to arms? What would I do? And um, I saw a post where this guy's an elder in a church and he just said, this is probably the last post I'll make from Ukraine. Because of everything that is happening, the internet, the banks, they can't access any money, whatever, there's cyber attacks. He says, and everyone is wanting us to leave, but we cannot. For our people are where we are supposed to be. We are elders of a flock, and the flock needs us now more than ever. That is when you live according to God's terms. Not your own. Not your purpose, but His. Not your calling, but the Word says, He called you and appointed you. I didn't call me. I don't plan on being here today. I said yes a few times that got me here, but I, I, I didn't plan this. This wasn't the, on my dream chart. But God called me. God appointed me. And the adventure that we're living is crazier and greater than we can ever imagine. I'm not planning on going back into the world's molds. Not, not, not any time soon. Not ever. When uh, the earthquakes hit Albania... And everyone was going out of Durez. We had people in Durez. And we prayed about it and we said, like, we don't feel you need to go anywhere. There was aftershock after aftershock after aftershock. And you know what happens when aftershocks, more buildings fall. If you've been to Albania, you know the construction there isn't, isn't great. But the church is called for such a time as this. We have the life of God and it's not for ourselves only. Yes, it will fill you up completely, but it needs to start overflowing. That is the prophecy of the Holy Spirit. You will, from the inner man, from your belly, says some of the translations, from your inner man will flow what? Rivers of living water. Why rivers? Maybe like me, tomorrow you're at this place. On Wednesday you're at another place. With your family, there's another river. At a wedding, you let out a river. At work, you let out a river. And church, you, you, in, in life group, there's a river flowing. Rivers of living water. Because we are called to influence. We are called to influence wherever we go. Where you wake up tomorrow and where you go, the Holy Spirit goes with you. 
And He wants to be stirred up. He wants to be fanned into flame. He wants to fill you. He wants to overflow. The Zoe life of God is not something we attain to. It's not for one day. Eternal life is not when you die. Eternal life is the Spirit of God. You are not successful when you die and go to heaven. That's not well done. We'll see you there. But eternal rewards are based on what we do in this life. When Paul writes to the Philippian church, he writes to his partners. He says, you guys are the ones who, um, who supported me financially. You made out of your way to go and support, to find me, to give a gift more and more. He says, but not that I desire the gift, but that I desire that it will be accounted to your account. It's not, it's not, that account's not here. That's a heavenly account. What we give in this life counts in heaven. The word says that here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receiveth everlasting. What we give here is trading the temporal for the eternal. When we share the gospel, we are trading that moment where we can be doing whatever. You can be watching Netflix, you can be having a joel, you can go into a party, you can have a good, safe relationship without being awkward. But when you're willing to be awkward for the kingdom, then you trade that natural moment for something eternal. When you step out and you forget about yourself for a moment and you realize the Holy Spirit in you wants really to speak to the stranger. Strangers are easy. No? It's the people we've known for years. It's our colleagues, it's our family, it's our friends. That, that, that's more difficult sometimes. Start with the strangers and grow there. Okay. <laughs> Side note. But then you're going to see, you're going to be stirred up. Because why? It's more blessed to give than to receive. The world doesn't believe that. The world says, get, 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 get more. But while you are getting, actually they're getting. While you get this experience, they're getting the money for it. While you're getting the new iPhone, they're getting the money for it. So they're not really wanting you to be happy. They're promising you something that is never going to fulfill you. I'm not even speaking about overflow. But for you, who welcome Him, in whom He dwells, though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, listen to that, He'll do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus, bringing you alive in Himself. God is life. God is Zoe. God is a raising from the dead power. His very nature is love. So when He moves in, what do you think is going to happen? When you switch the lights on, what happens? There's no more darkness. When the life of God moves in, what happens? There's no more deadness. No more barrenness. When the light of God moves in, there's no more darkness. You don't have a black dog and a white dog and you shouldn't feed the one. No. You have a white dog, the dead dog is dead. But now you need to wake up, renew your mind and say, okay, I only have the Holy Spirit in me. I've got the mind of Christ, the Spirit of God, the wisdom. And you need to understand grace. I'm not preaching on grace anymore because I'm taking it that you understand it and if you don't, there's a bunch of CDs out there that will experience it. But 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14 says, The love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the power, the friendship, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we can preach about the love of God and I love doing that. But the love of God had a reason and an outflow and a manifestation. And the manifestation was Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave. 
What did he give? He gave Jesus. Why did he give Jesus? Because he wanted to live in man. And he knew that we had to go through that, that someone needed to come, fulfill the law, and forgive people. And Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished. But God is not done. He wasn't speaking about what God wanted to do. He was speaking about the requirements of the law. And therefore, that was, it is finished, but we start our life from the finish line. And we start there, and we don't start at the foot of the cross. No, we start at the feet of God in heaven. Because Ephesians 2 and verse 6 says, we are seated right there with Him. Praise God for the cross. Thank God for His love. But thank you, God, so more that what that resulted in is the power of God right now dwelling. The power of God has moved into me. I used to be introverted. I used to be timid. Let me tell you just one thing. When I was in grade 1, I don't remember this, praise God, because the word says look forward. But what happened apparently, I came home very excited one day after three months in grade 1. And my mom said, wow, did you make a friend? And I was like, no. I just walked around the rugby field by myself. I ventured past the stoop of my classroom. God can do miracles, can't he? (laughs) I'm living in adventure, not because I'm looking for adventure, but because I'm following what God is doing. I I don't know, go into ministry and X, Y, Z, you're going to travel to the U.S. three times, and you're going to see Albania. I don't even know of Albania. I just said, Yes. The Holy Spirit moves and He grows and He changes and He changes your thinking as you allow. It says, won't He also do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus? How, how was Jesus raised? It says, the same Spirit who raised Christ, Spirit, raised Christ, now lives in you. What are we waiting for, church? Waiting for another dose of the Holy Ghost. We're waiting to be fanned into flame. We're waiting for an open heaven. We're waiting for... God says, I've moved in. The party is happening. You can just let it out. You can join in the fun. One thing I do, I look forward. Another thing that Paul says is, think about things above. The deeper realities, the higher truth. The spirit realm. Heaven is not one day. Heaven is where God is. And where is God? He's in you. We're going to wake up on the other side of this life and we're going to be, well, it's not all that different. Because God's been in us all along. This is life. This is eternal life. John 17. That you know God. The word there is better that you become one with Him. For Adam knew Eve and she conceived. They became one and then there's fruitfulness. When we know God, that is when fruitfulness happens. When Jesus or God lives and breathes in you, and He does, as surely as He did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. That's a word for you this morning. You are delivered from the dead life. You're not going to be delivered. When Christ moved in, you were delivered. Now we just need to wake up to that reality and start changing our thinking, our minds, our methods, our habits. With His Spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. I'm still reading from the message translation. I'm not making this up. (laughs) When the Holy Spirit moves in, your body is as alive as Christ's. Do you think Christ is going to die again? Definitely not. Remember John 10 said, I came that they may have and enjoy 
life. Have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. The Passion says, But I have come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect, um, more than you expect life in its fullness until you overflow. So there's enough for us to overflow. God's dream for the world is not that He would just live in you and fill you, but that He would fill you with His Holy Spirit until you overflow. Can I say not until maybe, but so that. God moves in and He wants to overflow. Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus. Paul falls off his donkey. There was donkeys at the wedding. Luckily they weren't screaming. Have you heard a donkey scream? Apparently that, that happened a few weeks back. The bride was just ready and she was just starting a walk and that donkey went for it. I mean, no matter how beautiful the song, you just need to pause and wait. <laughs> That's horrendous. So they waited for the donkey to have his moment. Paul fell off his donkey and he saw Christ in heaven. But what did Jesus say to him? Go, there's a man who's going to speak to you. Think about that. Ananias gets a word from God. Go to a street called Straight. There's a man there, Paul. He says, I've heard of Paul. <laughs> Ananias is a man of faith because he goes into the lion's den, if you will. And what does he take with him? The life of God on the inside of him. And that brings a message. And that message, we see Paul, things as scales of his eyes fall. Yeah, it might be physical. Isaiah 61 says, the blind will see. And what does Paul do? He's Mr. Grace Man. He has the first and biggest revelation of grace. Why? Because now he was blind, but now he sees. What does he see? He sees the promise. He sees the perfection. He sees what was written, what was promised, what was God's dream, God's plan from the beginning. And oh, how he wished he saw it earlier. And he writes about it and he says, I wish that I, and I'm not worthy. But when he expected a lightning bolt, what did he get? Love, grace, and the Holy Spirit. Love, grace, the Holy Spirit. Delivered to him by Ananias. What a picture the very person and people, the people group that he was killing, that he was going after. God says, I'll turn that. And he changes a fearful situation and he takes it and he makes it beautiful. And we have a brother, Paul. He's had a different name. He used to be Saul, the big one. Now he's Paul the little. But he says, when I'm weak, he in me is strong. It doesn't mean you have to be weak. Then, 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 like, you're going to have to... No, it means when you realize who in you is so much stronger in comparison, you just take that source and you let go of your own source. And that is the renewal of the mind. Everything he did, he did for God, but he did it from the flesh. Now he lived for God from the Spirit, being born again. Zoe now not just living in him, not just filling him up, but now overflowing. And he comes to the end of his life, close to the end, and he says, I really have a problem whether I should live or die. Think of that. 
Think about when you see the news of a war, an imminent and rumors of war. What is it that people fear? They fear death. Paul says, I, I think it's nicer to die. I think I want to go be with Jesus. But for your sakes, I will not. I am not done yet. I still have some overflowing to do. You see, Christianity only really comes to the fullness when it's not about us. When it's not the filling, but the overflow. Because it's more blessed to overflow, to give, than to receive. Forgive me if you will, but I love to say, when I receive Christ, I remember it clearly. It was blessed. It was beautiful. It was tearful. It like ugly cried, like, you know, luckily I was alone. That was a blessing. That was a highlight. That was receiving. The word says it's more blessed to give. One of the reasons I believe is you can give many, many times. You can give every day. You can give a few times a day. You can give Christ. You can give the message. You can invite people to receive Jesus more times than you can ever receive it. But there's also something in seeing the lights go on in someone's eyes. Seeing Jesus take residence, God move in, the Holy Spirit making alive. That's why really you can see the light in someone's eyes. Because the light has moved in. The way is now set. The life is now eternal. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And I didn't want to just hang on a cross. I did that so that I could pour out my spirit upon each and every one of you. What did the word say? All authority in heaven and on earth was given to whom? Jesus. That is the purpose of the cross. Why? So that we can pray in the name of Jesus. That's included. But why? Because now he had a decision. He had the power vested in him, like they say, to make a decision. And what did he do? He chose to pour out the spirit that was under his authority. All authority. Heaven, spiritual realm, earth, natural realm. And the word says clearly, he poured out the Spirit. That's why Jesus walks and he goes to John to be baptized in water. And what does John say? I baptize you with water, but he that comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will pour out. For dramatic effect, it would be really cool if I just poured it out now. But I don't think the hotel will be so happy. I was thinking about it. But let's be safe. <laughs> you saw I was, I was tinkering with it. Yeah, second service will do that. Poured out the Holy Spirit. Why? Because He had the authority to do so. Oh Lord, pour out Your Spirit. And He's like, it's empty. There's no more. It's been poured out at Pentecost. 2,000 years ago, 50 days after the cross. Five is a number of grace. 50 days, Penta, five, after the cross. The reason for the cross is revealed. And the Holy Spirit is poured out. On whom? The most holy ones. Yes, all of us. The saints. 
the believers. Those who carry hope, life, goodness. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for power. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for life eternal. We thank you that you've taken residence on the inside of us. We thank you that the Holy Spirit lives in us, moves in us, that in you we live, we move, we have our being. Not just now, but for eternity. We thank you, Father, that you take residence where we are. You are where we are. The greatest dream of God was that the life with Christ, through union with His Spirit, would go into overflow in your life. You poured out the Spirit upon so that it can move in and among us. Isaiah 55 and verse 1 says, Is anyone thirsty? I'm asking you right now, are you thirsty for God? The Word says, come and drink. Even if you have no money, if you've got nothing to pay, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It is all free. The Holy Spirit is free. You cannot pay for it. You cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. You can just enjoy it. You can come and you can drink from that living water. You can live in that water that is going to live for all eternity, but you can do more. You can let it overflow in your life. So right now, let's just focus on that. Just drinking in what God has put inside of you. If you've received it before, then you can just stir it up. If you've never received God, this is your moment. Take that sip. Say yes to God. Receive His Spirit. If you have done that before, stir it up. Get wet in the Spirit, if you will. Take your choice. It's free. Where we are, just pray. Um, just think about the fact that God has taken residence on the inside of you. God has moved in. You are now God's address. <laughs> you are God's address. Where you go, He goes. We live in the perfection. We live in the fullness. We live in the perfection of God's dream but his dream is not fulfilled because there are still children of God who doesn't know that. There are still people who don't know these things. They don't live in the freedom, the liberties which we have. The word says, don't get entangled again by a yoke of bondage. Stand, enjoy. Don't move away from the liberty, the freedom which you have. Because in that freedom, that's where overflow stirs. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.